sitting down here at the Union Hall with Kyle. It's November 1st, 2019. Thanks for uh, listening in today real quick. Wanted to give you a quick update on the contract. I think that it's uh, we've had some uh, timelines that we are meeting today and next week, and so this is a perfect time to give you an update. I'm sorry it's been a little bit since an update. Things have been moving as they often do in contract negotiations where they change every day. And so kind of put this as a timeline of a day since we're declaring impasse today that it was good to give you some concrete, solid information and I haven't been able to do that in a little bit. I want to start off by letting you know that this is a confidential communication between the union and our members. This is not intended for the city of Portland or any management. We ask that you do not share this outside of the bargaining unit. And to uh, define the bargaining unit, I would just say, if you are allowed to vote on this contract, then you are definitely a member of our bargaining unit. We have no fair share members, and so um, this is for you. And we appreciate uh, everybody that pays dues that's no longer in the union, uh, but this is not a communication for you. Can Over. I jump in just for a second Please real do. quick about that? Um, that being said, there may be some uh, pieces of issues we're not going to get into too deeply. We're not going to get to depth about. So there are some things that we would like to share, but we're not going to do just in this in this uh, method. So um, come to our next meeting. Um, we can talk about anything in the meeting, uh, the general membership meeting at length, any depth, and we can uh, speak completely freely there. Yes. Uh, that meeting is there no. to be Tuesday and Wednesday, November 12th and 13th. November 1st, we are declaring impasse uh, today. Uh, within that seven days, we have to have our final offer um, and that'll be on Friday the 7th. Then we have our 30-day cooling off period uh, after that. And so when people ask the final offer, I'll just go down briefly what the final offer is. Uh, we can amend what's known as our last best offer. That comes after that. Um, but within the final offer, we are going to ask that the city remove Article 5, that's legislative benefits. We are asking the city to move our work week down to 50.4 on July 1st, 2020, and then move down to a 49.78 on July 1st, 2021. We are asking for the vacation leave to be at a 26 year step, but then accepting the city's offer so that we would have that um, language that was there. Uh, Article 18, we are adding the health fund trust into our final offer. And then the two big ones that are left are the retiree benefits. And I think that this is um, one of the reasons that the contract has been held up. I'll go into that more briefly, but that's essentially having tier, tier one, um, we don't have any members, so that doesn't matter. Tier two, we have about eight. It's a redirect um, and making up the 2.5% that's gonna be taken out July 1st, 2020. And then for all of our PERS three members, it would be a redirect of the 0.75 in the city to make up that. Uh, the last thing is the mandatory overtime. We are including our version that gets you double time up for 48 hours. And so that's what's going to be in the um, final offer. I will say when we, uh, since the last podcast, we have had multiple mediation sessions. And at the end of the day, we gave the city three packages that they could choose from. And we gave them reducing our hours of work so that we would work uh, essentially the Kelly Day proposal. And I don't have it in front of me, but it was either a 50.4 hour work week, which I'm off the top of my head, I think is where we, right. we offered. Um, and then there's some other stuff in there, but the really the three big proposals are bringing our work week down, and I think that's a 50.4, giving us the health fund trust, um, or giving us 
one to two percent above the cost of living adjustment. And so added in there are the retirement security. We would be able to bargain the IAP either right now and come to a resolution or at some other later time uh, before the Supreme Court ruled and before the redirect started that we would uh, bargain with the city. Um, the city essentially is not interested in the IAP um, language. They're not interested in bargaining it later, um, which is a little bit problematic for us. Um, then I'll move forward in, well, I'll just answer the question. The question I get a lot is why are we not, why have we not declared impasse at this point? And there's a couple different answers for it. And the big crux of the issue is that is the IAP language. And so the city has no desire to bargain this later in the totality unless we have an uh, agreement. And right now the city is offering to let us bargain it later but they're not giving us any cost of living adjustment above COLA, they're not offering the health fund trust, and they're not offering a big work week reduction. And so that essentially is problematic with us. So we've gone back and forth about the IEP and how to be able to get that. Um, and that is really the biggest crux of why we haven't been able to declare impasse yet. There's a secondary issue in terms of the Article 18, which is a healthcare article. There was some legal, um, stuff that we had to do before declaring impasse in terms of put putting a couple proposals on the table so that we actually had those in bargaining uh, to meet what our attorneys wanted us to do so that we didn't have an unfair labor practice on, on surface bargaining or anything else. We completed those requirements that Barbara and our attorneys want us to do on Article 18, so that also kind of elongated that proposal. Uh, I, I would say I was a little bit excited um, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I met with HR and I met with Jason Lehman was there um, and we, we talked about how we can get this proposal done and the city, and this is what's called a supposal, it's not binding, it's not uh, anything like that, but the city kind of threw out some, some options of going, well, what would you be interested to get this done? Would you accept like a 51.33 hour work week along with the alternate schedule trial and some other carrots throughout there? And as I left that meeting, I conceptually came up with a proposal that I would push back on them with. And here's what that proposal would look like. And let me just say that it was rejected by the city, So, um, but I want to tell you what that looked like anyways. And so that was a package that was based upon uh, security of our retirement system. And so within that proposal that I sent back to the city, it said the city will drop the 27th payroll, that the city would make up <clears throat> And this is why that proposal kind of got me excited is that it was based upon retirement security for our members. And so what that proposal said is that the city would drop the 27th payroll and, and uh, let that go, that they would also make up the redirect for our tier two and tier three members uh, incomplete. And that cost is, it's not that much. It's about $300,000 in today's money. So it's not that much money. And that was the basis of what I believe would be 
the foundation of something to be able to send to our members. The other caveats and why it, it could be something that we got to is that it would move our work week down to a 51.33. That's not much, but it's worth another $800,000. It also allows us to do the trial period on the alternate work schedule. It also uh, makes the city do on-duty NFPA physicals and pay for those regardless of whether you're Kaiser or whether you're anybody else. Um, it also does the uh, mandatory overtime policy where you get the 48 hours of double time if they do mandatory you. It did add in a, a DUI policy, which is which is an acceptable version. If you have any questions on that, just give me a call or come to the union meeting. And then it also asked for retro cola and retro vacation leaves. And so it took a portion of every article that was important to the bargaining team and put it in there based upon what I would say the strongest foundation is retirement security. And so that was a little bit exciting. I thought, you know what? Uh, for the first time in months, I felt that there was a chance to make the deal. Um, the city rejected that one. So I, I'm going to continue to work on that, even though we're declaring impasse on seeing if there's something that we can do on that. Um, you know, and I'm just trying to keep this short. I know there's a lot of information out there, but I think that that's what we want to convey to you, especially asking that question again, why have we not declared impasse? I think that the problem with the IEP and going back and forth and the city refusing to bargain it uh, has been the biggest portion and it's a very big issue for our members and we are not going to rush this issue and risk the IEP. Yeah, it's a, huge, it's a huge issue for our membership. Um, and I think it's, as I, rem as I recall it, I think it's probably important to say that, and again, this is my perspective, this is, this is Kyle speaking, that the city didn't even know what they wanted to do. We were getting different information about how they wanted to deal with the IEP from different people. Is that, do you recall that at some point that they were getting information from say, the bargaining team and then they were getting different information from the attorney and um, we were waiting for them to figure out what they wanted to do. Because yes. it was clear to us and then we made it clear to them that um, the redirect for the IAP you know, the, um, contributions, needs to, those people need to be made whole. And that's important. And they couldn't really figure out how to deal with it. No, and I, you know, and thanks to the PERS committee and those people that have voted on this survey, we know PERS is important. I mean, there's just no question about that. It was in the survey. We hear it from our members, rightfully so. All retirement security is important. Um, unfortunately, we didn't find out exactly what the retirement PERS changes would be until right before the contract was out. And so whether it be late May or in June, somewhere yeah. in that time period, we found out what the specifics were. Even though we had had our article ready to go in January 4th of this year, we really kind of got that concrete information later. And so, yeah, that's where we're at with the process. Um, is there anything else? Um, I know you said you want to keep it short. Is there anything else? I feel like there's a ton of information. Anything else pop up in your notes just real quick before we... One of the other things people ask me is what's going to be in the last best offer. That's mm. after you do your final offer. And so... Is that, before you say that, is that something you want to go out? You know, I think that I want to talk about the process. Process. Yep. Fair and enough. so, and our attorneys at the same time are telling us, well, why don't you tell us what's in your last best offer? And I don't think that that's possible to do until you see the city's final offer. Mm -hmm. And so we're not letting go of the health fund trust. We're not letting go of the Kelly days. We're not letting go of the cost of board living, uh, cost of living. Across the board. board plus yeah. one or 2%. We're yeah. not letting go of the IEP. 
until we see what the city has moved on in their final offer. Mm -hmm. And so why would you make a position like saying, I'm going to give up any of those things, and then the city had it in their final offer? Right. It just makes no sense to me. Um, and so the process from here is once we get their final offer, it'll allow us to see what we can do. On the vacation leave article, we're within $30,000 in a $2 million article. We are not going to uh, let something that's worth $30,000 go into arbitration. Right. Um, the problem is, is we have to choose of those things what goes into arbitration. And that's what makes it really difficult. Okay. And so... Okay. Um, so, the impasse happens today. Next Friday then, uh, which will be the 8th, that's when the uh, final offer and the costing goes in? That's correct. And I think I said the 7th earlier in the podcast, so I, I need know. to correct that. I can't remember. Yeah. I, I wasn't listening. So today's the 1st. Next Friday, the attorneys and the negotiation team will be here, and they'll be at 9 a.m., and then we're going to send off our final, last, our final offer yeah. to the state or board. Um, it's done. I mean, it's, it's all the things that I told you about along with the costing. I think it's just making sure everything's tidied up and, and ready okay. to send that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and um, many people know this, but just to reiterate, that goes in, then it's 30-day cooling off period where conversations can and hopefully will continue. Absolutely. Then we can set arbitration dates. So it sounds like you're saying that we're heading toward arbitration like we always have been. What we, where would you put the odds on ending up in arbitration over any one of these issues? I think it's, you know, it's ironic and I think that this supposal that you heard about that we went, that the, the foundation is retirement security is only about $300,000 off from having a package deal. That's what I think of everything that's frustrating. It's like, I don't think I've been this close within $300,000 of, of striking a deal. And the city's position is, well, it's not just $300,000 for the OPSERP members and the tier two members, but then we would have to give it to every other bargaining unit in the city. And that is what the city says the crux of the issue is, is they've said, if we give it to you, we'll give it to everybody else. Which is, they surely didn't do that to the vacation leave article. Nope. They made me bargain, they made you bargain it. Yeah. So I think they're full of shit on that. And and so, you know, and I've told them, I said, we are this close to, to a contract and you're letting $300,000 get in the way of it. Um, that's frustrating. Yeah. Because we are, we are, we could have been this close. And then they talk about, well, we don't want to give up the 27 payroll. And that makes me want to throw my chair. I mean, I'm in a walking boot, so I really <laughs> can't throw it. But what's frustrating is then they say, well, where did the 27th payroll come from? And it's like, well, you've illegally tried to take it away multiple times, and our members are done with it. Yeah. And yes, we will beat you in arbitration and when we litigate that if we have to next year. Mm -hmm. But you can't sit here and come and have fire uh, dinner at the fire stations and pretend everything's good while you're holding the 27th payroll over our members. That's not what somebody that supports working people does. Right. That 27 right. payroll needs to go. And in my mind, it's a freebie for the city. That doesn't come out of the general fund. It's just bad, uh, bad posture that they're taking to do it. And so it means a lot to our members. It shouldn't mean anything to the city. And it could help get us to a contract. Oh, the city was hesitant to, even though it's $300,000, $300, sign off on RIP because it was their position they had to give it to everybody. And I guess 
just to give the speak for their position, which I shouldn't do, it would be more expensive for the other units because they have more tier one and tier two members than we do. But really, you know, it's not our problem. It's not our problem. And we think that, and I've tried to explain to them, is that if you want us to go to first arbitration and you want us to litigate this issue, you're risking the cost for everybody else. Because in my mind, and I'm not going to share my legal theory on why I think we have a strong case, mm -hmm. um, but I think that we have a much stronger legal case than everybody else in the city. Mm -hmm. We're in bargaining. There's some other caveats that we have that other ones don't. And we have, a, and it's not that much money in terms of a totality mm -hmm. of package. I mean, our package right now, on its face, is worth almost eighteen million dollars over three years. Eighteen million dollars above and above last last above contract. last contract. Yeah. And so, at the end of the general fund, is going to have to put into the fire department almost eighteen million dollars than they did in fiscal year twenty eighteen and yeah. nineteen. Yeah. So in twenty twenty two, then they're going to let three hundred thousand dollars of. Uh, Hold up the contract. Yeah, yeah. And I try and tell them, I said, it's not just about the $300,000. It's about whether our members feel that the city of Portland has their back and supports their retirement security. Right. And this is their chance to go and say, we support you as members. And right. they're not doing it. Right. Okay. I just want to briefly talk about the mandatory overtime because I think that I hear quite a bit from our executive board and from members that it's it's been very frustrating for our members. And I would say... You know, people have said, hey, it's a union's fault. We don't have mandatory overtime policy. I can tell you in bargaining, I feel like we've been very, very reasonable, and the city has said no. Even when we bargained this, we, we wanted double time, and we still want double time. And that cost was only about $20,000 a year to get double time. And we said that is a reasonable amount of compensation to give our members if they are going to miss their 40th birthday or they're going to be uh, going on whatever it would be on a plane. And management's response was, well, we don't want people that are going to work this system and we think that everybody would sign up for mandatory overtime and that, or nobody would sign up for overtime and we'd all go mandatory for double time. And we were sitting there and I said, that's fine. I said, then we'll just put a limit on 48 hours a year. And I said, that way, if you have a small work group that, that works that system, the maximum exposure to the city is 48 hours. And then the regular firefighters, which we have 300 of them, they wouldn't be affected as much. And most likely, if they'd ever got mandatory, they'd always be getting the double time. And the city said they're not interested in it. They would not TA that article. Uh, they would not let people do stuff like non-counters. I mean, it, it, I felt like Terry and the negotiating team that was in charge of that specifically gave a lot to be able to get there. And if you look at our proposal, it's very reasonable. And the city has said no. And so I think that the city needs to look at that policy and go and say, what do we need to do to get to a TA? Once they TA it, I think they can start to blame the union, but I think that we've given too much up uh, trying to, to decrease the amount of mandatory overtime that, uh, that they, should, they should reconsider their position. I mean, and I was a paramedic. I dropped my paramedic like three weeks before I got hurt. Um, but I fear, our fear from the bargaining team is that if we don't hold the city accountable on their mandatory overtime policy now, they'll just stop worrying about the creative ways to hire and then they'll just start mandatory people all the time. And if we're going to give up the keys to the car and let them mandatory people, then you better get the best deal that you can out there. And so just know that the lens that we look at it from the executive board sense is that we want to have a policy that's good for our members 
and that's a fair policy and we don't believe that the city has put that on the table. We actually conceptually agreed to an article and the city was there, um, the management team was not all there, uh, but the union was there as well and we actually had a conceptual deal on the mandatory overtime and then when we went to TA it during the next session, it wasn't the city that pulled it back. I need to be really upfront with this is the fire bureau pulled that back. And so we had made a deal with the, with the city HR of going, this is what the mandatory overtime would look like. Um, and, the, and it's the fire bureau that pulled it back. So I can't even blame that one on HR. That is, and I feel like this is a, a uh, something that's been dividing the membership now. And it's one of those events that happens when we go through contract negotiations. They love to see the union be the scapegoat. And they love to see our members be divided about stuff like mandatory overtime. And I can make the commitment to you is that Terry and your team is working very hard on that issue. And I don't feel that there's reciprocity in terms of the city and especially the fire bureau. Actually, I won't even, I won't even blame HR on this one. I would say that there should be pressure on, internally on the bureau to come up with an overtime policy that's best for our members. We can't have a watered down version. If we are going to sign our first mandatory overtime policy ever that we know of in the history of the Fire Bureau, then we need to have something that works for our members, not just the administration.